With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Tennis.com podcast. It'll be longer than 10 minutes um, if you've been listening to the Tennis in Tens during Roland Garros. So I don't know if that's a delight for you or terror, but you're here for now. Um, hopefully you'll stick around for the entire uh the entire show. We have, as always, Mr. Steve Tigner will join me to discuss um, Wimbledon, grass events that have taken place before it. Um, it actually it actually does, oddly enough to me, feel like um, something of a substantial portion of the calendar year, even though it's been three weeks before um, between the French and Wimbledon for a little while now. But um, I wanted to start at the top um, of the rankings with you, Steve. And, you know, there's been, there was a number of early exits, um, this week in Queens club. You had actually the one, two and three seeds all lose their opening matches. Uh, the one seed being Andy Murray, of course, he, um, he like Angelique Kerber has something of a tenuous hold on the ranking and has for most of this year. Um, Kerber's struggles have been particularly well documented and gone over. Um, she even lost first round of Roland Garros, so we you know we brought that back up again. But you know Murray's also been a concern. He you know the most of the the talk is, is centered on who's done well because it's been Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal who have done so well um, in his place. But you know this is particularly strange if you see you know. This is Murray's time of year, it, it, and it has been for probably the past six or seven years as a two-time Wimbledon champion. But I guess just to to put it bluntly, I mean, how concerned are we at this point of you know, basic well over the halfway point of the season for a guy who, you know, seemingly figured it all out, and he did, um, you know, at the uh, 2016 as we came into 2017. Yeah, I thought. He, you know, he started to show some good signs during the French Open. I think he played maybe the best match of, of the year for him in the semifinals. Even though he lost that to Vavrinka, that was pretty much the match of the men's tournament. And Murray played well. He couldn't he couldn't finish it off. He played a lot of tennis, um, and ended up losing the, in the fifth set. But that his play that day kind of reminded me of the way he he played in 2016. You know, just putting putting it all together with a, a lot of different variety, a lot of different things in this game and, and using it all well. And then he came out at Queens where he was the champion last year. He's won it five times. It's pretty much in his backyard. Um, you know, he knows that tournament as well as any other place has done as well there as any other place. And he really played a, he played a bad and pretty almost indifferent match losing to Jordan Thompson, a young Australian who hadn't, doesn't really have any wins, um, of that kind of level, 
know, I don't think anybody expected him uh, to win that match. Uh, Thompson played well, but I felt like Murray played. You know, we always see Murray looking negative. You know, giving his players box the sarcastic thumbs up. But this time, he really looked like he almost didn't want to be out there, or he didn't do much to try to work himself back into the match. He just kind of kept playing the same thing that wasn't working. That's very seemed very unusual and not a great sign. I don't know if it's a sign of some kind of problem with his with his coaching situation or how he's feeling about that. Um, that was the first thing I was going to actually raise was just there is, you know, considering if you kind of want to bring Djokovic into this discussion as well, <clears throat> excuse me, it's amazing how much turnover there has been of those two guys that have been in the top five for basically the past seven or eight years and, you know, contrast that a lot with, you know, Roger and Rafa, for example, there, there's been very little that's settled in the Murray and joke if it's camps. And, you know, there's been obviously some incredible highs on both of them. They've each had, they've each had, you know, legend coaches with, uh, with Lendl and Becker, you know, and of course, you know, um, Djokovic dig, dipping in with Agassi for a little bit. I guess we still have to kind of see really where that goes. But I've always found that a bit peculiar about them in in that they really seem to uh and, and of course both guys have been compared for, you know, other reasons too. They're, you know, two handers from the baseline extraordinaire. They are both extremely emotional players. Um but I it's something that I've that I've kind of wondered and I and I've raise the topic again now that we're seeing both of them and in particular Murray as it relates to this discussion really just trying to rekindle what we saw in 2016. Yeah I think you see both of them right now struggling with you know Djokovic for having been number one for such a long time um, I feel like that it's taken its toll and, and maybe he doesn't know exactly where to go from there he didn't know where to go from there last year and maybe something similar with Murray um, this year he really put everything into getting to number one at the end of last year. It seems like he's still kind of working his way back mentally, you know, looking for motivation still. I sort of felt that way after he won Wimbledon in 2013. I know he had back surgery later, but there was a little bit of, I feel like similar to now, there was a big, a big goal was achieved. You know, he, something he'd been working for for a long time. He achieved it. It was winning Wimbledon then being number one this time and then he kind of there was a lull after that like he needed to work his way back in. he couldn't continue at that level um and i think you see i think you see you know he's still with lendl but you know it wouldn't surprise me if he if he changed around you know if he changed again the way djokovic and becker broke up and now djokovic is looking for somebody new but i think the bottom line is is those two guys who have been so dominant again there's opportunity for other guys, you know, the top, you know, those two guys, and they're not ranked number one and two anymore, but the guys who have been the best for the last few years, last year anyway, last couple of years, Murray and Djokovic, just, you know, they're, they're, there's an opportunity at Wimbledon. Yeah, and I I wonder for Wimbledon if if it's, um, you know, we're coming off of a, of a French Open where there was an obvious consensus as to who's, you know, who's running that show and Rafa, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, Rafa, you know, proved that for the 10th time, just really with one of his best performances in Paris that, that I can remember. Um, 
Yeah, th this is I, I don't think this is a very cut and dry Wimbledon, not even necessarily for, you know, the top, you know, the top four seeds that we're going to see uh, based on what happened in Queens. You know, one of the top three seeds I mentioned who went down was Stan Wawrinka. He um, actually, he, you know, speaking of coaching, he's actually getting some some work with Paul Anacone now. Um, because of his early loss and because of Federer's progress in Halle, um, Federer will have a uh, a guaranteed number number top four seed, um, which I don't think is any small you know thing to discount considering where you know what that could mean if he if he was that ultimate wild card number five that will you know probably end up with Vavrinka now, and you know but still we're you know we saw. We're still kind of looking for, you know, looking at Federer's level too. You, he had the strange, you know, strange. No matter how you put it, lost to Tommy to thirty-nine-year-old Haas in uh, Stuttgart, even though that was Roger's first match since Miami back in um, early April. And then, you know, as it comes to Rafa, you just, you know, you got to remember that Nadal just has not been able to, you know, he is been pretty pretty poor at Wimbledon for uh quite a few years now and you know it's he has had one of the strangest arcs of that tournament um that I can remember you know just going from a a two-time champion in 08 and, and 2010 um to suffering pretty much early losses almost every uh year after he played Djokovic in the 11 final so you know, to kind of put it, you know, sum it up, I just, I don't, I think that you got your, you got your top tier, but you know, there's, there's really a lot of questions for all of them at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, Federer looks like he's starting to get it together in, in Hala and I feel like he'll be, he'll, you know, he'll be solid. Um, he'll be hard to beat early on. You know, it'll be interesting to see what his mentality is like now that he's, now that he's not sort of just coming back and, and sort of seeing what he can do on the tour now that he's had this kind of this sort of dominant run you know does that change does that make him more nervous does that make him more confident we'll see and for Rafa I think he has he hasn't done anything really at Wimbledon for four or five years or even longer um I would just say if he can win and a lot of be a lot of it will be his draw um if there's somebody if there's somebody like Kyrgios near him or or um, you know, you know, um, somebody who's beating even Dustin Brown, somebody who who can attack him and has shown who's, who can beat him on grass, he could be in trouble again. But he he um, even when he was winning Wimbledon, going deep at Wimbledon, he he did have to win five set matches early. Um, even when he won in two thousand, he had a, he had two thousand ten, he had a five setter, uh, at least one five setter in the first week, and he kind of escaped those matches and then went on to win. He's Basically, the difference is he stopped finding his way out of those matches, those early. You know, I think he'll always be vulnerable at Wimbledon to that kind of match. He, you know, in, when he was doing well there, he, made, he found a way through those. And when he hasn't done well there, he's lost those. So it makes me think he, it is possible for him to do better. You know, he's still, if he can survive a couple of those, he's going to be as dangerous as anybody. Yeah, and, and you and I were just talking before about because we're you know we're both going to be at the All England Club, so you'll see a lot from us on Tennis. dot com. Um, I was just trying to think of you know someone who I was really looking forward to seeing, um, and it just 
oddly enough, just didn't escape, just escaped my mind. It's been Rafa. He is who I am most interested to see in person at this event. Um, you know, I, we talked about coaching changes earlier. You know, he has, you know, he's got, I think, gotten a lift from Moya, from Carlos Moya as well. I think, I think the difference in, in, in the coaching that comes from, um, that's come from Roger and from Rafa as opposed to, you know, to bring it back to Djokovic and Murray is that I think, I think their co their teams have sort of have evolved with them. And I think it's, it's in a little bit of a contrast to Murray and Djokovic where they have often been looking for something, you know, that, you know, something to really inspire them in a way. And I think it's, you know, I think it's worked pretty well in different ways for all four of those guys, but I'm, you know, after what after what Nadal has done, not even in during clay. I mean, he has been really, you know, it, you know, Federer took the took the wins over him in on hard courts. Um, but it's really has been, it really has been Nadal's year, quite honestly. Um, even though I, I I don't think anybody would say that 2017 has been anything other than the season of of, of Roger Federer and this resurgence, but. Um, but Rafa is really someone I, I'm, I'm curious to see. And I think, as you said, the draw is pretty pivotal to, to sort of pr project how this might all shake out. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, one thing for women. I mean, if we want to kind of wrap up the men here, I mean, we, as you say about the draw and, you know, the, the rankings, you can, to a degree sort of discard a little bit because there are a lot of, you know, Wimbledon is known, although I think Wimbledon holds chalk pretty well um, in, in, in terms of, you know, you rarely do see upset champions there. Um, you do see a lot of upsets along the way typically because just of the, you know, it's the nature of the surface. And, you know, if you're getting someone that's really firing, um, you know, it, anybody can be powerless against it. I mean, and we, and you know, you kind of look down the rings here and, and consider some possibilities. I mean, you know, we, we mentioned a top three seed that lost in Queens. It's Raonic. Um, you know, Marin Cilic, I think has had a sort of an under the radar, decent year. And, you know, obviously um, a threat at Wimbledon. He played Federer last year in, in a memorable match that he ended up losing in five. Um and, you know, there's guys that, you know, we can consider off the top 10 or, you know, towards the end of that top 10 and beyond. Team, of course. Um, Alexander Zverev will be someone surely on many people's sort of dark horse lists. Um, and you, you kind of go beyond that. Luca Pui as well has gotten a lot of attention. And, and of course, you mentioned Kyrgios, who doesn't, uh, you know, he's also been dogged a little by some health issues. But if you know, there's no one, you know, he really started the whole sort of Rafa losing early sort of thread for a little bit. And, you know, he's pretty much the ultimate sort of wild card there. Yeah, I think you start with um, Raonich, the finalist last year. He was a finalist in Queens and the finalist at Wimbledon. You know, where is he now? He lost the first round at Queens. He's been injured. Does he have any, you know, does can he get it back together quickly enough? I think on the other side of that is Chilich, who I think, I think he becomes, with sort of that weakness at the top. I think Chilich becomes a, a contender to win the whole thing. Um, he's been playing well lately. Um, like you said, he he had match points on Federer in the quarters last year. He could have easily made the final. Um, so I think he's a guy who could, you know, I could see him. You could almost see him winning the winning the tournament. 
you know, he's won a slam. A guy like Dimitrov, uh, who's been struggling but likes grass, has has almost reached the final there in 2014. I think that's a guy to really watch out for. Luca Pui, like you said, he won. He's won a grass court tournament already this year. And Curious is all the way down at, at 22 right now. I don't know where he'll be. Or sorry, ranked number 20 right now. I don't know where he'll be seated, but he could potentially play a top guy really early. Um, so that's. You know, that kind of could throw the whole draw off. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Let's move to the women's side. Um, start with the men this week. Um, I think really the biggest story thus far, you know, we haven't heard much from Yelena Ostapenko at all since since Paris. Um, you know, surely her her Wimbledon will be followed closely as well. Um, it was it was often said during Roland Garros that you know her game really is is actually you know potentially even you know more lethal on grass and and you know give what you saw of just a bevy of winners really from hit all over the court it was it was a fantastic final um i loved it for you know just to kind of see that you know that gumption for um for such a young player and um you know you know, we, we, you and I haven't discussed Ostapenko on the podcast. So maybe we just I, I kind of pay our respects there and, and just kind of, it almost seems like a little while, a long time ago at this point, um, of just this really, this run that, um, you know, that really took over the French open. And by the end, you know, it, 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 it is hard. It, it's, it's hard not to come away impressed with what you saw from her. Yeah. You know, somebody really, to who who would just step up and take the you know take the tournament in her own hands without Serena there with Kerber losing in the first round, you know the opportunity was there for somebody and no I don't think anybody thought it was going to be Ostapenko, but but um, she was the player who did it. it reminded me of of um, Monica Seles a lot in in the late nineties late eighties early nineties when she was I mean she was even younger fifteen sixteen but that sort of that sort of attitude almost playing in a trance you know just really going for everything. Um, Nothing phasing her, nothing really getting in her head that would change her strategy at all. Um, and then having the, you know, having the timing, the game to to pull it off. That said, I would be really surprised if she goes deep at Wimbledon. It just seems like she'll be, you know, she's somebody to watch in the future. But but for right now, it just seems like something that'll be a a one shot for the moment. You know, it's, if she if she, I would be surprised if she went into the got into the second week, the quarters of the semis of of Wimbledon, if she could just continue that kind of, I don't know if she's really ready to make that the way she plays all the time. Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing. That would be, you know, a true, you know, truly a, a surprise to me, but, but, you know, it's there. The game is obviously there, but is it, is it there all the time yet? We'll, you know, we'll find out. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing her at, uh, at the open too, when she comes to uh, New York here as well. Now I'm looking at, and, and we've, you know, we've talked about the, you know, the rankings sort of, of the WTA where it's gone with Serena out with Kerber, you know, just really, you know, the, the struggles have just continued, you know, to a, you know, to a really difficult degree. If you look at the top 10 players on the WTA tour and you look at the number 11 through 20 there, and we were just talking about Wimbledon and where, how this could all end up. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find, a lot too many people who wouldn't who wouldn't sort of weigh these two camps uh somewhat equally in a sense i mean you have 
I just want to kind of mention these players in the 11 through 20 range that are going to be um, that are going to be playing each other early. That are going to be playing some very highly ranked players early on. You have, you know, Venus Williams, of course, never to be discounted. I, I really liked what I saw from her in Paris, and I actually thought she had a a pretty good opportunity to almost to to win the title, really. Um, but I, you know, ultimately came up short there. Mladenovic, who we you know, we talked about it during the French a lot. Ostapenko, yeah, Muguruza, a uh, you know the uh, a former finalist there. Um, Kvitova is back now. You know, you have to temper expectations, obviously, but she is you know she is back there. Keys, of course, um, you know, Pavlyuchenkova above her. Vesnina, I don't want to go over her as well. Keys injured, but obviously a major threat with that serve. Sevasova, Bachinsky. I mean, it's a very strong sort of second tier. And, you know, again, as I, as I think back to what we was talking about on the men's side of how there are certainly plenty of questions at the top, um, although, you know, that's not to say there aren't some tremendous talents in the uh, in the top 10, but I think I think you're you're ripe for another um, tournament where there's a lot of possible outcomes um, on the women's side. Yeah, it's interesting. Grass used to be, I think, the surface that people talked about as as the most difficult um, because it was just basically once a year uh, difficult for the women, men and women, to really adjust to. There were a lot of people who didn't like grass. Um, now it seems like the opposite. It seems like there's just a lot of players who are good, especially good on grass. Whatever, you know, maybe maybe the the better bounces and the slightly slower, higher bounces. It really helps the the sort of baseline style today. Um, adds a lot of adds a little pace to these to the players' games. You know, you have Kerber, she's like that. Sibylkova um, is like that. We'll see about Johanna Kanta. She um, she could be a favorite. Um, Radwanska's been to the final. Venus, Muguruza, Vesnina's been to the semis. Kavitova's won it twice. As you said, Keys, she likes grass. Um, and then down to Coco Vandeweghe, she obviously likes it. She could, she's ranked, she's ranked thirtieth right now, so she could really, she could be the curios of the of the women's draw. Who knows where she's going to end up, you know, draw wise. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of people who who will get better, who who will like playing on grass. That opens it up, and and you know, I think it makes it makes for a really interesting, uh, really interesting tournament. Yeah, yeah. Vandeweghe beat uh, Kanta today. Excuse me, over um, over in England, um, Pliskova is really you know the one that I, I I'm curious sort of most about in you know can is this the type of term where she puts that all together? Um, you know, Svitolina, who we saw a lot of and who took a you know a pretty damaging loss um, over in Roland Garros. She may not be playing actually because of injury. Um, you know, I think her loss is only rivaled by what Simona Halep was unable to, was, you know, what happened to her, um, in the final, just, you know, a really, really, it's going to be, it's, it's almost hard to, to picture, you know, some scar tissue not persisting, uh, with that one there. And, and, you know, one player who we haven't mentioned who, but who, you know, probably is not a title contender, but I wanted to ask about Victoria Azarenka who came back this week from, you know, having her first child um, back on tour, um, kind of curious to see where how she maintains her schedule um, moving forward. Um, but it, it is, you know, it's it's still difficult to not picture her, assuming that tennis still has that 
you know, that it is her top, you know, that it is very high on the priority list as I would imagine it is for her still. But I, I, I wonder really how long we anticipate, you know, seeing Victoria Azarenka's name in these top 10 rankings, because there is clearly, um, you know, there's clearly a landscape where she is, she can become, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, threats overall before she left, uh, she had just won last year. She had just won the Indian Wells and Miami double as well. And I think the re- the remainder of the year will be, you know, one where I'm, I'm also extremely curious to see, you know, what we get from Azarenka. Yeah, I think she'll be back. I think she'll be back at the top at a certain point. Same with Serena. I would anticipate both of them coming back, um, you know, next year. I think, I think this part of the year for Vitka makes her a possible contender or somebody to watch at the u.s open you know she's getting getting her start here playing a slam i I, you know it's hard to imagine her getting to the second week i mean she she could she could because she has the game but she you know i feel like this is just getting out there getting seeing what she can do um getting used to playing again before the hardcore season which is always her favorite part of the year um and maybe really targeting the u.s open and and in the later part of the year um, but yeah, it's great to it will be great to have her back. Uh, I was surprised at how soon she she's gotten back. Um, surprised to see her in the Majorca draw at all. And you know, I feel like with Serena out, that, that that's a good. Her presence will be it'll be good um, in the second half of the year. Anything else from Wimbledon that you, you may be uh, looking forward to getting back out there for? It's been a, a couple of years, and um, you know, not I think we. I believe court number one as is getting its first uh, first part of the roof installation. If I if my if the pictures were not doctored or if those if those aren't renderings, I think that's that's coming. But you know, not you know, I think the the thing for me with Wimbledon is that you know the times that I have gone, um, you know, it is one of those events that I would implore any serious not only tennis fan, but sports fan to somehow make your way to at some point. It's, you know, I haven't been to the masters. I, I, I plan on it at some point, but I, I would imagine that it would be met with the same sort of takeaway that I got is that it does live up to all that hype. And then some of kind of what you think of the event. It's, it, it's, it is pretty incredible that, um, you know, that it is pretty much right out, right in the middle of a, of a little village, honestly. Um, and you know, the way just, you know, the way that it feels, um, you know, it's got that, you know, it's got that sort of that charm to it. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, that it has been modernized and it, and it's a good thing that it has been for many number of reasons, but I think, um, it's been done in such a way that you can't help but come away thinking that this is, you know, this is the pinnacle of tennis and you understand why it has been for, for generations and for players, you know, to this day. Um, you know, I was just over at, I was just over at Fenway Park for the first time last week. And I, I kind of was thinking of, was thinking of Wimbledon in a way when I was there, just because, you know, that's another sort of relic in, in the sporting world that is, that has been, you know, I think carefully considered, although it's, you know, like Wimbledon and, you know, it's, it's had its moments where you kind of, 
wondered if you know it sort of had reached the end of its you know the end of the line in a way. But I think I think Wimbledon has had this gold standard not just in in tennis but really all of sports, and it's something that you know really transcends most most typical sports fans. I mean, you're not going to get too much tennis talk from you know the set that's not watching it on a on a fairly regular basis and you know the US Open and Wimbledon are two of those events that just they just have something about them that connects with many more people. Yeah, I think the best thing for me at Wimbledon is the outer courts where you have a lot of people milling around these small courts um right on top of the players but but still unlike say the US Open or even the French Open everything's quiet there. Everything you know ev- the fans are there to watch and there's not much noise you really just hear the ball and the players and the the chair player announces the score it's very you know it's it feels like it's just the game being played in front of you without any there's no not really a circus atmosphere despite the amount of despite the crowd incredible crowds that are there it somehow stays quiet i feel like that's that's something i always remember from wimbledon and always you know seems unique to to that place yep the cathedral of tennis you might we might put it that way to uh to sum it all up so um we'll be back on the podcast next week i want to get together um maybe after the draw possibly and uh see where things stand as we move uh move into really the heart of the year uh we're here and it's a good time and i think there's a lot of questions left that we'll uh that we're looking for some answers for we'll get them pretty soon we'll talk about them back here on the tennis.com podcast thank you for listening you've been enjoying the tennis.com podcast for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com